0: As you listen to the music today, there's sort of a theme that's been running through the music, and that is that when it comes down to it, that one, God loves us, and that He's all that we need. He is enough for us. Now, this goes along with what we're talking about today. We are continuing our series, Fearless, and I really believe, or I, I, I know this, that God desires for us to live outside of fear. He desires for us to live in peace and joy, and not to be dominated by fear. And uh, we, we see this in all different types of areas of life, and this also includes our finances. Now, I bring up finances, and I know some people get a little bit nervous. They go, we're coming to church, the preacher's going to be talking about money. Every time I come to church, he talks about money. I know some of y'all are thinking that, and I want to let you know, absolutely not true. And I don't want you to think that we're going to be, you know, that I'm going to be Neil Cavuto today talking about, you know, Fox Business News or or Chris Matthews on MSNBC about about how to take care of your money. It's not what we're talking about today. What I want you to see is that regardless of your financial state, whatever your checkbook or your savings account might say, that God desires for you not to live in fear, but to live in peace. And that is very difficult for us to hang on to because we live, economically in some rather scary times. And we should be a little concerned about where we are concerning the state of our financial affairs. Uh, just as a little side note, I got on the computer the other day and I was looking up at the have y'all ever looked at the the national debt clock? Y'all ever seen that before? That's a lot of fun to watch. I mean man, the numbers are just like constantly spinning. And we're approaching seventeen trillion dollars in debt. Now, that number is so huge, I can't even get my hands around it. But in our families, I think it becomes more personal for us when we look and see where we are financially, just in our homes. And I'll just share with you just a few interesting stats that I'm sure that when you leave here, you're just going to be absolutely depressed, which is my goal. Uh, but anyway, uh, let me just share with you a few stats that are interesting. Our overall net worth in America has decreased by 40% in the last five years. Uh, 43% of Americans spend more money than they make every year. Um, In in the United States, there are around 300 million people. Guess how many active, not that you'll know, but guess how many active credit cards we have? Over 600 million active credit cards. That's impressive, isn't it? Uh, so, you know, 300 million people, 600 active, million active credit cards. Average debt for credit cards is $8,000. Just to bring it a little closer to home about how big our debt problem is, if you were to spend a million dollars every day paying down debt since the time Jesus was born to today, we haven't paid it off yet. Is that insane? I mean, absolutely crazy. And you might be looking at this saying, Oh, great, we get to leave here today depressed. Well, here's the good news, that even in spite of all the economic turmoil that we're in, and in many cases we're we're in economic turmoil because of bad decisions that we've made, but even in all of the stuff that's going on in life, God desires for his people to live outside the realm of fear. And I think we can all agree there are huge financial concerns, some of you might say, I need help with my own personal finances, and one of the neat things is we actually have a B group, a small group led by T.J. Watson, and it's a Dave Ramsey course that they're going through about how we can handle our finances better. Maybe you need to sign up for that class. I know that I need to sign up for it, but today I just want to share with you some groundwork on why we can live life fearlessly regardless of our economics. And so how's that possible? Well, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul was a guy who was undergoing some stress financially. But even though he was undergoing financial stress, he found joy. He found peace in his life. He found contentment in his life, regardless of where he was financially. And so we're going to look today in Philippians chapter 4. These are going to be some verses you might be familiar with. But Philippians chapter 4, verse number 10. And in these verses, we're going to see how God has the power to override many or all of the fears that we have in our lives. Now, if you're going to look there and turn there, I just want to share with you what's going on at this point. Uh, Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi. And as he was writing in this letter, once again, Paul, of course, is in prison. And he's in prison because of his faith. And the letter he wrote them in Philippians, it was, it was an informative letter. He was letting the people know, hey, I know you all support me, but I want you to know what's going on in my life. But it was also a letter of encouragement because the church in Philippi, the Christians there, were undergoing persecution because of their faith. So Paul was trying to encourage them. Now, whenever you're undergoing real persecution in your faith, I mean, it, it has some major effects in your life. Uh, socially, the people were sort of like outcasts because they're followers of Jesus in a, in a different land. Uh, and because of this, they were blackballed. And so that means it, it affected not only their social standing, it also affected their economics. And so Paul was writing them that even during these difficult times, they could approach life fearlessly, even though their economic situation was not all that great. Now, how, how, how could they do that? You know, how can we do it? As we live in some very unstable times economically, how can we as believers live outside the realm of fear? And I, and I hope you'll see some helps here in our text today. very first thing I see in how God enables us to overcome our fear is by reminding us, first of all, that He is in charge. And I know that's just a real basic thing uh, that you've heard before but y'all it is so true we can have peace in our lives when we begin to understand that in all the chaos of this world God's in control he's in charge if you look in verse number 10 listen to what Paul says and remember he's in prison and what does he say when he's in prison he says I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now that at last you've renewed your care for me you were in fact concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. Paul is probably known as the greatest church planner in all the history of Christianity. He was a guy, after he became a believer, he went all over the ancient world, went in the Middle East, went to Asia, uh, went into Europe, starting churches everywhere he went. And he did this to spread the news about Jesus. Now, just like in any other endeavor, if you're going to do something like this, what do you have to have? you got to have money. I mean, it just takes, it takes money to do some, a lot of things in life. Now, Paul said, I'm going to take care of this myself. He said, I'm not going to rely on other people's gifts to help me out, even though I could. He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to start my own business. Paul was a tent maker by trade, and he went around and he supported himself through his work. Now, that's really good, except for after Paul went into all these different areas teaching about Jesus, not everybody liked it. And so what happens is he gets in trouble And anytime I talk about Paul, he goes to jail. Okay, so he's in prison. When you're in prison, one, it's not fun. Uh, But two, when you're in prison, you don't make a whole lot of money. Have have y'all ever thought about that? I mean, if you're looking for a great business plan, stay out of jail. And so here's Paul. He's in prison. He can't make any money. And so this is a guy that is in dire financial need in his life right now. And so what did Paul say? You look back at verse number 10. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. What is that all about? I mean, here's a guy who is financially at the bottom, and yet he rejoices in the Lord. One of the reasons why he rejoiced in the Lord is because God put Paul on the hearts of the people in Philippi. He said, this guy's in need, and the church responded to him. Now, you could say, well, man, that's a coincidence that something like that happened. If you read throughout Scripture, what you begin to discover is God always remembers His people. If you're in dire straits economically right now, financially, I want you, I want you to leave here knowing this. I want you to, God knows you. God knows what you were going through in your life right now, and He's with you. He will not abandon you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And you you can see this all throughout Scripture. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love the Old Testament. I love the stories there. And there's a story of Joseph. Uh, Joseph had a bunch of brothers. And if you remember the story about Joseph and his brothers, his brothers didn't like him a whole lot. Because his dad gave him extra favor. He made him a coat of many colors. And so the brothers, in their jealousy, they took Joseph and they sold him into slavery. Okay, so they're angry. They sell him into slavery. Now, it, things, though, kind of work out well for Joseph. Even though he's in prison for a while, he, God gives him the ability to interpret dreams. And if you're the you know, you, prince of Egypt, you might remember all the stuff, so they, it, he, he learns how to interpret dreams, and after he begins to interpret dreams, Pharaoh notices him, and then Pharaoh moves him from being a slave to second-in-command of all of Egypt. It's a big deal. And then a great famine strikes. And after the famine strikes, Joseph's brothers come looking for food. And guess who they show up talking to? Joseph. Now, I've always thought, if I ever did anything like this, that would happen to me. You know, the guy that I end up, you know, screwing over, I'm going to have to do business with the guy later on. So y'all, it just scares me to death. So I look at this. So here he is. They, they, the Can you imagine what that's like? They show up, they're looking at Joseph going, can you believe this? That so we sell him into slavery, and now he's in charge of the food. And so Joseph's looking at them thinking, these are the guys that put me in prison. And so the brothers, guess what the brothers are doing? They are freaking out thinking, Joseph is going to kill us. And you know what? He had every right to. But you know what Joseph said? Genesis 45, five. he says, brothers, don't be worried or angry. Right. <laughs> don't be worried or angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because God sent me ahead of you to preserve your life. You know what Joseph was aware of? That at every step in his life, whether good or bad, he was believing God was in charge. That God was with him. That God's going to take care of him. Paul had the same mindset. Probably the most popular, one of the most popular sayings that Paul has is found in Romans 8.28. It says, and God works all things together for good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. The lesson here is God knows what's going on in your life. Whether you are in plenty or in want, God knows. And He doesn't just know He is going to be with you. The question is, are you going to trust Him? Are you going to relax enough to say, you know what? God understands where I am, and God is going to take care of me because I'm His. Do you believe it? Will you hang on to that? Instead of many mysteries, we get... Up in fear instead of the peace of Jesus. You know, I've I've never enjoyed. I, I don't enjoy flying a whole lot, and I don't like flying. And it's not. I, you know, I don't. There's a couple things I feel like I'm stuck. You know, and I I shared this before, and somebody said we were getting ready to go on a trip, and you mentioned this, so I won't mention it again about being in a cylinder coffin. So uh, anyway, so when I get on, when I get on a plane, what I'm nervous about too is who I'm going to sit by. You know. Because I, I know for me, I always end up sitting by the two-year-old kid who's at the peak of teething or the kid who's got this incredible lung capacity like a dragon who's going to scream the entire time. And so yeah it's just not good. And, I, and I'm, if I, whenever that happens to me, I've already committed murder in my head 20 times, which is not a good thing for a preacher. And so my, my family that gave me one of the greatest gifts ever, which was those noise-canceling headphones. Y'all, you, any of y'all have those? The Bose, it, unbelievable. I mean, that is a gift from God. And so the last trip I went we went to Israel. Glenn's trying to get my headphones, and I'm like, sit back, son. You're too young. You're going to be fine. And I just slip those things on. And so it kind of removes some of the fear I have about who I'm going to sit next to because, man, those headphones, they're absolutely incredible. Now, in a very similar sense, what many of us need in life is we need to slip on the noise-canceling headphones of God's truth. Now what's God's truth? Well, God's truth is Scripture. What does Scripture teach us? That God has His eye on His people. That God promises never to leave us nor forsake us. That He is in charge, regardless of what you are experiencing in your life. Now there's a lot. There's a lot of noise in this world today. Now I really believe that Satan is going to throw so much noise at us to try to keep us from hearing or experiencing peace that God wants to offer us. Now when I look in our text today, I, I, I see that God enables us to overcome our fear in life by reminding us that He's in charge. And I want you to see something else. God also can quell the fears that we have in our lives by reminding us that He provides us with contentment. God can give you contentment in your life regardless of where you are. This is really interesting. If you look with me in verse number 11, again, remember Paul? He's in prison when he's saying this stuff. He said, I don't say this out of need. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. I know how to live with a little, and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Now, Paul starts off verse number 11 by basically saying, I'm not complaining about my present circumstances. He said, I am learning I am learning contentment regardless of circumstances. His present circumstances, he's in prison. His present circumstances, he's suffering financially. I mean, he's in bad economic times. And yet he said, I'm going to be content. You know, if you decide that you are going to seek after God and you're going to follow him, it doesn't always jive with the world doesn't You're not going to always be rewarded by the world if you decide you're going to live for Jesus. Uh, if you decide that you're going to live for the Lord, yeah, there's going to be people in the world who are going to look at you and see you as being closed-minded. They'll see you as being you know, uneducated, as being like a hillbilly. Because you believe that the only way to heaven is Jesus. Because you believe that Jesus Christ is the only hope that there is in life. That there's no other, no other hope for us. You know with the, the, the you know number no one the, the Ten Commandments, very first of the Ten Commandments, which everybody likes. I've never met anybody who says the Ten Commandments are all. Everybody likes the Ten Commandments. Very first commandment: You shall have no other gods before me. Let me tell you something. If you hang on to that, you're not going to be rewarded by the world. Paul wasn't. In prison, financially he's in dire straits, and yet what does Paul say? This blows my mind. Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. Now, here's a question. What does it mean to be content? I think for a lot of us it means when I when I have everything that I need. Whenever all the stuff that, that I would like to have, when I have all the money necessary for life, I'm, I'm content. That's not, that's not contentment. It might be my definition of it, but that's not what it is an old story about a Quaker who put a sign on his house and said, if anybody can prove that he is content, he can have my house for free. In a few days, somebody knocked on his door and said, I'm, I'm going to get your house because I'm content. He said, well, explain that to me. He said, well, I have all the money I need. I have everything that money can buy. I'm happily married. I have a great family. My health is great. I am content. And the Quaker said, well, if you're so content, why do you want my house? The better definition I like is by Pastor Ray Steadman. This was profound to me. He said, contentment isn't having all you want. He said, contentment is wanting only what you have. Contentment is being satisfied whether you have much or whether you have little. That is contentment. Now, how is that possible? Y'all... It's possible because there's only one thing, ultimately, that's going to fill your life. That will satisfy you. And it's, not, it's not the stuff of this world. You know, you might say, if I just had more money, I'd be happy. But you know, we get more money. Have you noticed what we always want? <laughs> more. You know, we, we always we always want more. It's never enough. Only one thing will satisfy you. That's Jesus. Hebrews 13, 5 says, your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have for he himself said i will never leave you nor forsake you you will only find contentment in jesus because he's the only one that has the ability to stand the test of time everything else in this life is temporary and it's only jesus who is steady and solid and the same for all time and when i look in our text today i see there is nothing that will bring us fulfillment in life but jesus Now, how does that bring me comfort? How does that override the fear in my life? Because He is in control. It overrides the fear in my life because He provides contentment. And it's the last thing that I want you to see. Jesus enables us to overcome fear by reminding us that He's the one who provides power. He's a power source in life. Verse number 13. This is the one you might have underscored in your Bible. It says, I'm able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Now, this, this final verse is the key to absolutely everything. Contentment, regardless of circumstances, only comes about through the power of God. It is not in the human nature to be content. Do you know that? Your nature is to be discontented. Now, where does that come from? I believe it comes from God. I, I believe God, when he created man, he created man with a, like a vacuum inside of him, a hole inside of him, that only He can fulfill. And if we don't seek after Him to fill us up, we seek after a lot of stuff to fill up our lives to make us feel complete. And yet we go after all these things to, to fill us up in life, and then we always we're always, always wonder, why, why am I not satisfied? That's because, you know, money and relationships and, you know, addictions, things that might make us feel good for a while, they are all not work forever you know, it's very short lived it doesn't last, I, I saw a study where Americans were interviewed about what are the real necessities of life and I, these were kind of interesting to me 13% of Americans said necessity in life are DVDs 17% say cable television is a necessity uh, This, you know, I, I read this and I think oh man this is not good, it, it doesn't make it sound very good uh, 25% say computers are a necessity in life. 33% say microwaves are. And I agree with that one. Uh, 53% of people say that heating and air are, ne- are a necessity for life. Now, are those things nice? Yes. Are those things indispensable? Are they a necessity for real life? If I don't have these things in my life, does that mean that God does not love me? <laughs> no. You, you, you realize most people in the world don't have this stuff. So, so what, is it, what is it all about? You know, what, what is it that is, that is bringing consistency and constancy, constancy in my life? When the rubber hits the road, there's only one thing that is necessary. That's it. Let me tell you something, you have all the stuff in the world. But there is coming a day when the rubber hits the road, we are going to die. And the question is, where am I with Jesus? Not do I have a microwave. Where am I with Jesus? Why was Paul, when he's in prison and he has no money, he has no freedom, why is he content? Because he knows who holds his Jesus. It is God who's provided for him. But for you to experience a future in Jesus, you have to be plugged into him. I can do all things through who? Through him. Through Jesus who strengthens me. If you're plugged into anything else other than Jesus, you're not going to find contentment. You're not going to find hope in your life. Power is tremendously important. What you're plugged into is important. Let me give you an example of its importance. Uh, Last week, I was at the Y. And I was on the treadmill running. uh, And when I was running on the treadmill, you know, I was flying. I mean, I'm just absolutely, you know, booking it. I'm, you know, running as fast as I can, having a great time. And y'all might have been in there. You might remember this. So I'm running on the treadmill. The power went out. Any of y'all there when the power went out? If you're on a treadmill, yeah, I was by you. Uh, When the power goes out, the treadmill stops moving. But guess who doesn't? Yeah, we don't. And so I had a nice meeting with the TV screen. I was like, ugh, you know, run into it. Now, that's that's what happened. When the power goes out, your life, if you're not plugged into the right power source, there is chaos. Let me tell you something. The same thing is true spiritually. When you are plugged into anything other than Jesus, there is chaos. If you are plugged in, to the things of this world, you're plugged in to getting more. You're plugged into addictions. You're plugged into pornography. You're plugged into all these different things that so many of us seek after to bring fulfillment in our lives. You are a wreck waiting to happen.